It's available on Amazon Prime. It's called The Invisible Vegan. And I just found out we have the same birthday and she is absolutely beautiful. Her name is Jasmine Leva. Please welcome her to the show. I'm very excited to meet you. And I can't believe you lived blocks away from me when I lived in LA. I know, I know. We like just missed each other, but I'm glad that we finally found each other and I'm honored to be on your platform. Well, thank you so much for doing this. And what, what's really cool is that I've been listening to, of course I saw the film, which, which is that we're gonna talk about today, but I also listened to a bunch of podcasts you did and you had mentioned that it's Babette Davis that, that inspired you. And she's also a friend of mine. I'm gonna be on her show Sunday. And I believe she's an Aries too. And she, she's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as soon as I, and, and that's why I tell people, I didn't really go vegan for these noble reasons. It started from a really superficial place, but then I started to learn more about plant-based eating. And I realized like, oh, this is more than just cosmetic. This is more than just losing 10 pounds. It's all these other components. So I'm, I'm glad that she started me on that journey. But it doesn't hurt to help you look better and feel better. I mean, it really does. It does. You know, when people say, oh, your skin's so beautiful, it's, it's vegetables. I mean, that's my beauty secret. I didn't even have time to put makeup on today because I was spinning right before you came on. <laughs> even eating the vegetables, like when I have my bananas, after I finish with the peel, I rub the inside of the peel over my skin because I want my face to absorb all those, you know, vitamins, potassium. So yeah, definitely. Well, your skin is beautiful and as is you. So what inspired you to make a documentary? So my background is in film and production. That's what I went to school for. I worked on documentary series. And then a lot of my Black friends from back home they, when I would talk to them about veganism, it was a joke. They just did not get it. And I was just like, wait, why don't they get it? And then I started looking at a lot of the vegan documentaries, which I love, but as a collective, I felt like, oh, as a collective, you guys are kind of marketing this to the exact same audience, audiences. And the way marketing works, if you don't market to a group, sometimes they miss out on the product. So I just decided to be the change that I wanted to be in the world, feel, fill the void that I saw in the market. And then that's how Invisible Vegan came along. And since I already had a background in production, it was pretty much a match made in heaven. You know, what I loved about it, especially is I, one of the things I love about this show is meeting new people like you. And while I love all the really well-known people in the plant-based world and would be honored to have them on the show, I love finding the treasures that are hidden among the vegan world. And some of the people you had in the documentary, I don't know if they're necessarily vegan, but they were such interesting people that I, I made a list. I said, I want to interview them. I want to interview them. They, how did you find those people? So I kind of knew what um, topics that I wanted to hit. So I researched people that I thought would bring those topics home. And there's every, you know, everyone in that documentary, I felt like they brought something that was, that I didn't have. Like, for example, when you talk about people who aren't vegan, Cedric the Entertainer, he goes by veganish. And people accuse me of like, why is he in there? He isn't vegan. He doesn't belong. And it's like, no, he's on his journey. He totally belongs. And he's going to add comedic relief and get people to pay attention to a subject that they might never pay attention to. So everybody brought their own kind of juice to the project. I love the lady that was the professor. She, uh -huh. was, she blew my mind. I mean, I just, I just, I, I thought she was amazing. So, and it, and it's funny that you say her because she's also not vegan. And uh-oh, she froze up. Guys, what's happening with Zoom lately? I initially we don't really have no. The fact that you don't have my same politics is why you break this. Because as a documentarian, I'm not here to try to make people think a certain way. I'm here to, you know, kind of go on my own journey and discover new things. So when she brought up the point where 
And there was one part point in the documentary where she talks about when vegans try to force it on people, especially me as a black woman, she takes it as a need for, you know, white people to try to control her black body. And when she talks about that, that's something that I didn't think about and a point that might not have garnered reflection had I not had her in the documentary because she wasn't vegan. I thought she was great and I would love to talk to her. I love documentaries anyway. That there's of, of all the films I, I tend I lean towards comedies and documentaries. I, I just love it. And I know you're probably planning many others. Yes, yes. And in the food space too. I really like to talk about food. I think it's a really important um, topic. And we all, you know, regard it as something habitual that we don't really pay attention to. So I want to make more projects where I get people to actually pay attention to what they're putting in their bodies and what the, you know, what comes with those choices. Well, this is very timely, especially with COVID and how it, it affects different races disproportionately. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, and it's, and it's crazy as much as they talk about protecting themselves, protecting ourselves with the mask, we're not talking enough about our immune system because that's how our body fights off viruses. We're not talking about the fact that a lot of foods have antiviral properties what better time to eat foods, you know, your onions, your garlics with antiviral properties than when there's like a potentially deadly virus that is spreading around the world. So those are things that we're not talking about that we should be. You know, it is mentioned, you mentioned about forcing veganism. I think, I think a lot of us tend to do that because we're so passionate about saving human health, animal welfare and the planet. But I don't think you can really force, and maybe your kids, but you really can't force people to be vegan. You can't, and I think a lot of people, if you take your ego out of it, you'll realize, you'll think about, hey, am I the best messenger for this message if I really wanted to stick? So for example, if I'm telling someone, hey, you should be vegan for this reason or the other, but their doctor has told them that they need to include meat and dairy in every meal, it makes sense that they don't necessarily want to listen to me. So what I do is I kind of come at it like, hey, would you mind checking out this documentary? Would you mind checking out Invisible Vegan? Would you mind checking out Forks Over Knives? Because then it's like, they're sitting down, they're not in a defense mode, they're relaxed, they're in a mood where they can just receive information. And then I'm not some holier than thou preacher trying to force them into a way of life that they might not resonate with. Tiffany says, I love the Invisible Vegan. You guys can watch it on Amazon Prime. Any plans for a part two? Oh, yeah, yeah. So my follow-up project that I'm working on now, which is kind of difficult because of the COVID situation, I want to do something about um, the food in prison. Because again, I talk in my work, I try to, you know, reach out to people, be a voice for the voiceless. And a lot of times we don't think about what prisoners eat and we look at them like, who cares what they eat? They make mistakes. But that's, you know, everyone deserves access to healthy foods everyone. And if you want to spread the message of compassionate eating, you want as many people as possible on board. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because I volunteered at a prison once, uh, the program where they were training dogs, the prisoners were training dogs to help disabled people. And the food was really deplorable. But even that said, those that had some, some people in prison are allowed to work for restitution. And so they get some money. And then when they use that money, they go to this store and then they buy crap anyway. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yep. So yeah, my, my God brother, um, he used to, well, one of my friends was in the prison system and he said that like he had money and he worked, but the food he was able to buy was all processed foods, all things in a box, fried chicken. So people go in, they might go in with a perfect bill of health and then they come out with diabetes and high cholesterol 
cancer, like all these things they might not have had if they went into, if they hadn't gone there in the first place. There was a, a, a there was a vegan, I, I maybe shouldn't say in case people know, who actually did go to prison for a short time for selling pot before it was kind of legal. And uh, I asked him how he fared because actually he was a raw vegan and he said he would just trade because there was such a little amount of produce anyway around on the plate that they would love to trade all the junk for their fruits and vegetables. So you're right, there is no healthy food there. Yeah, and they have, pro, you know, they've had garden programs and they've shown that a lot of the prisoners that participate in the garden programs and are actually getting in the soil, their recidivism rate is lower. So I think there's an element of, you know, wanting people to go in and actually get rehabilitated. Like we want to, we want them to go in and we want to introduce them to a healthier lifestyle. So when they rejoin the prison population, they have, you know, less emotional anxiety and they're not, you know, adding certain elements into the population, but we're not doing that. We're just torturing them more, giving them all this meat that's not going to make them any better. Well, and, and, and even without the meat, the processed food, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Joel Furman's book, Fast Food Genocide, but he talks about how that maybe if they weren't eating that things, their behavior might be different in the case of some people. I totally agree. I totally agree. One of the main subjects in the film that I'm doing, that was his story where he went, he went inside, he read Dick Gregory's book, read plant-based eating, became inspired, started eating plant-based. And then he just started thinking, you know what, if I apply this discipline to other areas of my life, my life could be so much better. And then he used that, started, you know, getting into gardening. He started teaching the other guys about health. And then when he got out, he started this whole like hip hop vegan brand to educate people about, you know, health and plant-based eating. So it was one of those things, like it reformed his whole life. And I'm not selling veganism as, oh, this will cure murderers. But what he's saying is right. It can it can help. It definitely can't hurt. Well, the thing is, is like you say, if they're in there for a long time, even even if people say, well, we shouldn't help these people. The fact is, if they're in prison, they're going to get medical care. And if we're feeding foods that are going to make them sick, we're going to be paying for their open heart surgery and their in their insulin. So even if you think that they shouldn't be fed better, feeding them better is going to ultimately help because it'll save money. And then, you know, and even the people who think they shouldn't be fed better, it's like this, oh, well, they're bad people. Everyone who's in prison is not a bad person. You know, some people, you know, if you're hungry and you steal chips, you'll get put in prison. Does that make you a bad person? No, that makes you a person who's acting out of scarcity. If you get caught smoking weed, does that make you a bad person? Absolutely not. So our prisons are filled with people like that who aren't, you know, they don't deserve to eat food with maggots. Like, come on. Come on, not that anyone deserves that, but yeah. Or people awaiting trial. You don't deserve to eat that. That's my big, you know, I would, I, I'm a wuss. I'll just be honest. And in, in my twenties, I did some what's called direct action with animal activism. And that's like one of my biggest fears. Like, cause I interviewed Alexandra Paul and she's gone to prison many times. I, I just, I, gotta, I just work. That's what I know what I worry about. Like number one, is it going to be vegan? And then it's, it's, it's not going to be, you know, I'm kind of spoiled by the way I eat. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're a chef, so I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you talk about, you know, the food injustice. That's the, I mean, this is part of the food injustice, but it's, it's even bigger than just in prison. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it goes when you look at, you know, disenfranchised um, minority neighborhoods and you see how they put the most, the highest concentration of fast food restaurants in these neighborhoods. And then you look and you see DaVita centers all over the place. So it's like, oh, okay, so you know you're putting all these fast food restaurants 
in the sickest communities because you have all these dialysis centers. So you have a visual representation of what you're doing. So I, I and another thing that I want to do is kind of point out that problem because a lot of people don't see that is a form of environmental racism. That is a form of the politicians, they see that these are the sickest communities and they're not doing anything about it. They're not taking initiatives. No, we, we need to make sure these groups of people have fresh produce because they're getting the sickest. They're not doing that. Yeah, I know I've interviewed Dr. Columbus Batiste and that's something he has always talked about. And I, I just, so what's the answer? Like what like people are saying, how can we support your work? What can we, what can we do? I would say just kind of spreading the knowledge because that's the first, a lot of people aren't informed when they think of, you know, injustice, they don't think about a grocery store not having, you know, the correct amount of produce. They don't look at that as an injustice. So first making people aware that there is a problem and then also pushing for policy shifts because I think that's when things like that really change. Nice. So in case you just joined us, we're talking to Jasmine Leva, the producer of the wonderful film, The Invisible Vegan, and people are asking where we find it. I know for sure Amazon Prime. Is there anywhere else for people to view it? Absolutely. You can go to the website, theinvisiblevegan.com. It's on Tubi TV, which is free, so no excuse. And then it's also on Quelly TV, which is the first Black female-owned streaming Nice. Yeah, I, I just got Tubi on my phone because there was something I wanted to watch. It was only on Tubi. You're right. No excuse. If you, a lot of people, mo not most, but many people have Amazon Prime. That's where I saw it. So very cool. Beverly says, are you involved in any school projects? I am not involved in any school projects. No, I'm more of a, I'm more of a filmmaker. No, oh, that's cool. I, that, that, that must be so fun. I mean, I'm sure it's hard work, but I bet it's really rewarding just to, it, to just to produce something. It's so much, it's so, it's so much hard work, but the best part is stepping away from the industry. Cause I'm not going to lie. I really feel like the industry, um, my industry can be very toxic. Even how Ellen is going down for a bullying work environment. For me, that is a joke because I'm like, okay, almost every show I've ever worked on has a toxic work environment. Toxic work environments in Hollywood is almost the standard. So to actually have a project that I'm passionate about and to just get to do it on my own without that toxicity, it's, it's rewarding. That's great. Well, that's, that's the area we like to, we like to be in charge. You know, we don't like other people telling us what to do. That is for sure. So let's see. Oh, uh, Carolyn says, is Jasmine involved with John Lewis's movie, They're Trying to Kill Us? Oh, it's so funny because I have a panel uh, in about an hour with John Lewis and no, I'm not involved in that. When I actually asked him to be in my film years ago, and he agreed that our schedules didn't um, our schedules didn't come together. So I'm really happy that he's coming out with this new project. I saw the trailer; it looks fantastic, and I I can't wait to see it. You know, I, I can't, I don't want to look it up right now, but I know he's on the show before the end of the year. I just can't remember what day. So guys, subscribe to my mailing list so that you can find out in advance who is going to be on. So, so tell me about it. Like you walk into stuff I eat, you see Babette and then boom, you're vegan. So, <laughs> I know I was working on a show. It's called My Black is Beautiful for BET. And that's where, where I first heard of veganism. Like I only knew about vegetarians. So I saw her and they told me she was about 60 years old. And I'm just like, um, wait. And she had on like some little booty shorts, like jean booty shorts and a tank top. And I'm like, she's 60. So I asked her, I'm like, what's the secret? What's going on here? And then even the woman at the register, 
She was 50, looked a legit 27. I'm like, what is happening in here? Cause I need to do it. I need to implement it. And she said, oh yeah, I'm vegan. And I eat, I think she said 70% raw at the time. And so I'm like, okay, forget this. And I went home and then I just veganized my entire life. And then a lot of the health, um, like the many health problems that I was having started clearing up. So that's things that I thought were normal. You know, even things started changing, like my digestion changed, the way I smell changed, my skin changed, and I was battling with acne at the time. And so I'm like, whoa, there's more to this than just having some kick a body. And then I started reading up on veganism and I started reading about, um, you know, the animals and how it affects the environment and how it impacts communities of color. And I'm like, oh, this is something that I need to do because far beyond just, I need to lose 10 pounds. It's like, this is how I need to live. Were you able to influence any friends or family members by your decision? As now with the film, you know, I've, I've never gone the fanatic route. I've never gone the, let me preach my friends and family, the vegan word. I've never done that just because it, it's exhausting to, you know, someone's content in their ignorance. It will exhaust me to try to break them out of it. You know, I have to let them come to their revelation at their own time. But luckily, now that I have a film, I can easily just tell someone, hey, you know, check out my film. And a lot of them, yep, they checked it out a year later. And they won't even tell me. It'll be a year later. They'll be like, yo, you know, I'm going vegan now. And yeah, my mom, um, she's not completely vegan, but she's, she just started. Like, it's been so long. And she's like, Jasmine. I've gone like three weeks without eating meat. And now my aunt, she's making, you know, vegan fish and she's all into the culture. So I definitely see the domino effect. And it took, but it took time though. It wasn't an instant. It wasn't when I made my change, then they made theirs. I gave them, you know, their chance to evolve. And now they're like flowers in bloom. That is so cool that, yeah. So a lot of people, I don't know if you can see the comments, but they're saying that you're, uh, you're a true vegan princess. You're gorgeous, loves your hair, brilliant. Uh, they're just not a lot of life, not, not a lot of love on you. So this is just something a little different. Joy saying, what, what about exercise? What are your thoughts on exercise? Do you exercise to look so good or is it just come naturally? No, I... I exercise, like I'm, I, I'm on and off. Like me and exercise, sometimes we could be like an on and off again boyfriend where it's like, <laughs> we, we broke up for a little while, but then I always come back. So currently I get up in the morning around six o'clock and then I'll do um, walk and, you know, I'll walk for about three, four minutes and then I'll do a sprint for a minute. So I do interval running and then I'll do maybe three or four days a week of strength training. So that's where I'm at now, but nothing, nothing that makes me hate it. Cause when it becomes a chore, that's when I'm just like, I don't feel like doing it. So I'll also try to incorporate like different things. So after I finish this next, I might do, Oh, let me and my boyfriend take a salsa class and we'll do salsa for a few months. So just keeping it fresh. And Amazon Prime has a lot of exercise videos. So I take it, I mean, I'm paying for it. So I'll do some Amazon Prime yoga in the morning, all that. That is so cool. One of the podcasts I was listening to, I can't remember which name, but you said something you wanted to let people know that veganism isn't just for skinny white girls. Yes, yes. Because the thing is, whenever, you know, it's getting better now, but back in the day, I, I just know the image in my head, you know, whenever you see not even just a vegan commercial, but a, a health food commercial in general, there was always like this, this white girl, she was usually blonde, she usually had a ponytail and some type of yoga outfit. 
some type of green smoothie in her hand. And that was like a poster child for someone healthy. And it's just like, no, health, healthy people, all skin tones, all types, you know, all, you know, all body types, all nationalities. So in my work, I want to, you know, definitely give visibility to different groups. And with this last documentary, it was, you know, primarily Black people, but even going forward, I don't want to see, you know, especially now we're fighting for equality and we're fighting for diversity, even though I do want to tell Black stories because that's my culture, going forward, I want to also, you know, show people like, okay, this is what diversity looks like. You know, so I'm incorporating all types of people and not just like, you know, trying to make black people the new master race and then like, oh, look, all black, all black. It's like, no, 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 diversity is the focus. I almost feel like I should get you a t-shirt because that is such a cute, uh, veganism, not just for skinny white girls anymore. <laughs> would, would you wear it? I think that's hilarious, actually. Probably wear it. Because, you know, because the funny thing is, is at least in my work, uh, a lot, of girl, a lot of white girls aren't skinny, and that is a reason that so many people actually become vegan, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Especially now, because so when I first started flirting with veganism, there wasn't vegan Ben and Jerry's, there wasn't the Impossible Whopper. So now people are under the impression that veganism gets you skinny, and they're eating all this vegan junk food. And it's like, no, that actually might make you bigger, you know? Great. So Carolyn says, does Jasmine cook and what are the foods she likes to eat the most? So some of my go-tos, I like to buy a bunch of produce and I like to have um, some kind of veggie broth on hand. So whatever veggies that I don't use, I'll, you know, chop up fresh garlic, always fresh garlic, fresh onions, and put them in, you know, the broth and all my leftover veggies, I can just add them there. So if I have a little bit of, you know, cauliflower, celery, carrots that I don't feel like cooking, I can just put it all in there. That's a go-to. In the morning, um, I like to keep it basic, you know, oatmeal, put some almonds, goji berries on top, or I'll have some type of smoothie bowl. Um, I, what else do I like? Salads. And even today, like later today, I'm going to make a burrito, you know, burrito with black beans. And I keep it, I keep it fairly simple because now my stomach, something about like my stomach in my thirties, she's a little sensitive. So she can't do like a whole bunch of stuff anyway. So I just try to eat for my body and, you know, bring in the plants, man. Keep it simple. (laughs) Nice. Infinite Love and Gratitude says, will Jasmine be participating in Tracy's 10,000 Black Vegan Women program coming up in October? Oh, so I'm, me and, you know, Tracy was in the film. She actually adds my, when she does it and she sends out the newsletters, she, you know, puts my film in there. So we're always kind of, you know, I'm always rooting for what she's doing and vice versa. So uh, the people that were in the film, The Invisible Vegan, like, do you, ha- do you, like, are you still in touch with them? How have their lives changed from being in the film, if, if at all? I'm not, you know, what? I'm not really sure how their lives have changed. I know that they probably gotten more traffic because all their Instagram information is listed. And I do panels with them pretty frequently. So I do run into them. And then it was cool because it created this nice little vegan family for me. Like, you know, Dr. Milton Mills, like every time I see him, it's all love and Christopher Sebastian. So I'm just really honored that I got to meet this just great group of people. Absolutely. How are you going to approach this prison documentary? Because I can't imagine you can just like knock on the door and say, hey, I'd like to film. Thank you. 
Yep, I have a creative idea how to do that, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put it out there just yet. But I think I know how I've got it. Well, will you focus on just any particular prison, or any in, or you're gonna or multiple prisons in different cities? Multiple prisons in different cities. Wow, that is very very ambitious. That is so cool. I hope you guys will go to Amazon Prime or Tubi, which is free, and, and watch the film. It's really really good. I think I, I would like to watch it again. As a matter of fact, I loved it. So, what do you do for fun, or do you have time? Oh, absolutely. Well, one thing. I've always loved film and TV. So my job, what I do is actually fun for me. It can be, you know, hard work, but I smile like, you know, just joy comes for me when I'm working on my stuff. So I like that. I like playing with photography. Um, what else do I like? Now I'm getting into making my own lotions and stuff. And I have a little garden on my balcony, like an urban garden. So, you know, I'm growing Brussels sprouts and beets and potatoes. So I'm really happy about that. That's so cool. Well, Linda says what you are doing is incredible. How long does it actually take? Did it take to make the, the film? Oh, it took years. I'm five, six years. It took time only because, but the reason why it took so long is because I was taking TV projects in between and TV projects can be very like exhausting. So if I'm casting shows for Food Network, for example, you know, there's going to be a few months stretch where I'm just not even, I didn't even touch Invisible Vegan or I was working on a court show. So it was like six months where Invisible Vegan was just, you know, on the back burner. So um, if I had done it straight without interruption, I think it would have taken about maybe two years. Wow. So you, you cast shows? Yes, I was casting shows like Holiday Baking Championship, Halloween Baking Championship, some shows for the Food Network, and even the documentary series I worked on, like I would cast, um, help with casting on those shows too. Well, that, that, you should, I wish I had known you then because I could have been on a holiday baking show. I used to be a pastry chef, my goodness. I know, I know. Oh, oh and we were looking, yeah, we were looking for pastry chefs. That is hilarious. I was a vegan pastry chef at Sante Restaurant, which is now closed on La Brea for five years. That's hilarious. Wow. So all of the you know the people that get on the show they do the real fancy stuff like as far as cosmetics do you do that kind of stuff oh um well I used to not 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 so, I mean it's been years so not probably not very well anymore you know <laughs> but that's very cool you know who's a great vegan pastry chef and he's still in LA he he's uh the personal chef of Toby McGuire's name is Eric Lachasseur he used to be the pastry chef at M Cafe Oh, okay. Cool. Cool. You're looking for another pastry chef. He's still there. Uh, Carolyn says, is your significant other vegan? He is not vegan, actually. He, for the most part, I make all the food in our household. So he eats whatever I make, but say he's out and about in the world. He's just going to eat whatever comes in front of him. Like, that's just what he's going to do. And I respect it. Like, again, people in my life, I've never, never, never told them, like, just because I've made this journey that you need to make this journey. And because I committed to him kind of before this, like when I met him, I wasn't vegan. I can't expect him to make this change because I made this change. He has to do it because he wants to do it. But I still respect it. Well, thank that's good. Well, you know, so he's sort of an accidental vegan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or a, yeah, a vegan if he wants to eat at home so yeah. very good are, are you guys married no we're not married I don't I don't um I'm not gonna say I don't believe in marriage 
But, you know, for a long time, people, you know, same sex couples, they weren't allowed to enjoy marriage. And I was just like, you know what, if this is a privilege that we're taking away from people who love each other, F that whole thing right now. Like, I'm not doing it. And then even with my relationship, I, I always want Kenny to be with me because because he wants to. It's like, no, you're not con you're not contractually obligated to be with me whenever you're ready to leave. And if you want to be happy with someone else. The door is always open. And I kind of like that vibe in our relationship. I think you're amazing. I wish they'd appoint you to Ruth Bader Ginsburg's uh, seat. Yeah, what? I, I wish they'd appoint you to the Supreme Court because the seat just opened up. I think you'd be amazing. <laughs> Seriously, I just love you. Uh, Joy says, what kind of lotions and potions are you starting to use? Because you said you're thinking of making your own line. Yeah, so um, I want to make stuff that's more healing. So I'll take oils, I'll put them in my garden outside, I'll take a jar, a jar and I'll put like calendula herbs and St. John's wort and I'll let olive oil kind of just soak in it for about a month so it gets the properties of all the herbs. And then, you know, I'll mix it up and whip it with like shea butter and yeah, and just create my own little concoctions. Because, and that's another thing, when we think about um, toxins that we put in our body, it's not just in the food. When you look at the lotions you put on, all those chemicals in the lotion, your skin is absorbing all that stuff. And so I'm like, eh, you know what? I don't need glimonium, gathocolite, or whatever you put in this in my skin. I just want all things that I can pronounce going into my body. So that's the new, the new hobby. Yep, I, I agree with you. People don't realize how toxic these are. So the, I don't know if you're going to be able to answer this question from Lily. Do vegans join the army and go to war? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would say so, um, especially now. I honestly have not researched what happens to vegans in the army. That is a good question and I will research it. But that would be a good documentary for you because you know, I, I, on, on Veterans Day, I believe it's November 11th, I'm doing a show with every vegan veteran I can find. Meaning that if you served in the armed forces and you'd like to be on my show, we just wanna honor you for both your service and being vegan. But, but you know, after prison, I'm sure that it is not easy, at least from the people I've interviewed, that it's not like they can't get vegan food, but it's not so easy for them, you know? Yeah, that's something, yeah, that is something cool to look into. I'm gonna, thank you for that question. I'm actually gonna look into that. Yeah, because, because it's not fair. They're giving, they're, they're fighting for the country and giving, you know, putting their life on the line and they should make the, the meal, This I think they're called MREs, you know, the food that's all dry. There should be vegan options for, for them. And they I- should best food <laughs> absolutely you know all right so that was a really fun question let's see i saw something else here oh from from from, from tracy what hair products toothpaste and soaps do you use people are a lot of nice compliments on your hair um so for toothpaste i make my again i make my own toothpaste so it's oil based like a coconut oil a little bit of baking soda um clobal peppermint oil what else is in there? Yeah, just all natural stuff. For my hair, I haven't started making hair products yet. So I use Shea Moisture. I'm going to start because I'm not, you know, I want to start making my own stuff. And then what was the other one? Uh, hair, let's see, toothpaste, soap, and hair products. Oh, and soap, um, the Castile soap. Yeah. For now, it's kind of that oily, you know, it comes in the big jar and it's, um, it's very oil-based, um, natural you can find it in most health food stores 
Wow. David, who's watching, says that Israel has the highest number of vegan soldiers. And I learned from a guest that I actually interviewed in Israel that Israel has the highest number of vegans, period. I mean, you know, proportionally for a country. I love that he knows that. (laughs) We have a lot of smart people watching. Okay, so so you must have tuned in a little late, Linda, because she did explain when and how she went vegan. It was and uh, so watch from the beginning. And you don't have to answer this, but she wants to know how old you are. I'm guessing 30. Oh, uh, no, I'm 30. I'm 34 and a half. Well, that's right, because we have the same birthday. So that means yesterday, September 22nd, was our half, half birthday. Well, well, that is so cool that we have the same birthday. I don't know what to tell you. That, and the day before is Victoria Moran. So that is very, very cool. Here's a good question from, not that the other ones weren't good, but Sandra says, my African-American family and friends are trying out some of my whole food plant-based meals, but this vegan concept is very foreign to them. They don't trust the concept or plan. What approach do you use to convince? I don't think you can convince anybody, but let's So one, oh, you know what? Cause I was gonna say, if they already know, if they don't know you're vegan, but I'm sure they do. You don't even have to advertise food as vegan sometimes. Like if I'm bringing, you know, say it's a party and I say, oh, I'll bring the potato salad. No one has to know. I'm not gonna say, oh, I'm bringing vegan potato salad. It's vegan. No, I just bring it, let people eat it and kind of sit off to the side. And once they're finished, like, yeah, and that was vegan and just get them that way. But um, yeah, and just making sure whatever dishes that you make I don't know how in tune you are with um, the eating preferences of the people that you're preparing food for, but I think it's always good if you can uh, try to mimic flavors that they already like instead of like you have people who eat, you know, they're used to eating barbecue chicken and pizza and tacos. And then you're like, oh, I'm going to make you this great quinoa and chickpea Mediterranean salad. It's just like, it'll get lost in translation. And then they'll look at vegan food like, oh, it's this kind of food that I want no part of because they're not familiar with the dish. Nice. Lynn says, do you drink kombucha and is drinking a little wine okay? I always say, okay for what? (laughs) So um, I do drink kombucha. I even drink from time to time the hard kombucha because I tell myself like, you know, if I get a little booch wasted, I'm still being healthy because I'm adding the probiotics. And even though I'm, um, kind of depleting some of my nutrients but as far as alcohol alcohol is not it's not good for you even when people say red wine is good for you it's it has antioxidants in it but it's still you know not great for your liver so has a lot of sugar in it depending on what your caloric intake is it still adds you know fat to your diet so it's not great but it's one of those things where you don't want to overdo it So if you need to have like a glass of wine every now and then, don't beat yourself up. And a lot of the blue zones, which are kind of the people that live the longest on the planet, and a lot of the blue zones, the people do um, consume wine and they live to be 100. Not a lot. They're not over there getting wasted every day, but they do incorporate it into their diet. So I think with wine, you're okay. (laughs) Stephanie says, I think it was Tracy McWhorter that said, people felt she wasn't black enough because she didn't eat soul food. Did you ever experience reactions like that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, race, you know, race, um, especially being black. I don't, I don't know how it is to be any other race, but it's so nuanced and it's so weird because if you, um, if you exhibit certain things that don't go with the collective, 
then it's almost like, oh, it's like, you're not one of us. And it's like, but I'm black. That's the unifying factor. That's the only unifying factor. Just because I like a different food, that shouldn't mean anything. And that's one of the reasons why I named my book The Invisible Vegan, because the author, Ralph Ellison, or not the author, I based it on a book called The Invisible Man. And the author, Ralph Ellison, he wrote in the intro that he felt invisible in white spaces because he wasn't represented. But then when he went to black spaces, he felt equally invisible because he didn't embody certain stereotypes. And that is exactly how I felt as a black vegan. Wow. You know, it's interesting because I, you know, I produce, well, I don't produce my whole summits based on you know, a weight loss summit I've done twice and I'm doing a GI summit. And I try to have as much diversity as possible when I do this. And, and, and one of the things I, I always try to have as many women as possible or even more women because women in general of any color have been underrepresented in my opinion in, in the plant-based space. And what's interesting, and I didn't know this, is I watched a summit recently. It was all African-American people. It was produced by a, do a wonderful African-American doctor, Judy Brangman. And she mentioned on the summit that only 5% of doctors are black. Wow. And so if that's the case, no wonder I have so much trouble getting it represented because there, there, there aren't that many in to begin with. And then how many are actually vegan, right? Mm -hmm. And you know what? And as being, you know, me being a filmmaker and always having to look for people and look for talent, I will say, you know, diversity, it's one of those things that are, it's easier said than done because people do ask the question like, oh, why don't you have more black people? Why don't you have more of this kind of people? you do have to have a decent um, thing, you know, a decent pool to even pull from if you want to make that happen. So, yeah, because even with me, my, my documentary on certain levels wasn't as diverse as I wanted to be. Even the images that I was showing, I would have loved to have shown more plus size people in the um, section where I'm talking about love. I would have loved to have shown more, you know, same sex couples, but I was pulling from stock footage because I didn't have time to go out and shoot everything. And there was a limit on what they had. So as a result, it was like, ah, well, it's not as diverse as I wanted to be, but you know, this is what I can do with my resources. So you just have to, you know, set the intention. Like if you can't find the people, that's that's okay. But set the intention that at least this is something I'm gonna strive for. Nice. Okay, I saw a quote. Oh, Lynn said, what brand of kombucha do you drink? Um, I do, I mean, I guess old faithful, like I drink synergy. And it's this other, it's this new brand. And I'm so sorry, I can't remember what it's called. I just know what it looks like because I pick it up based on photo. Um, but but yeah, Synergy, Synergy, old school. Nice. Okay, let's see where, I'm sorry, this is going fast. I'm trying to do two things at once. Something about, oh, I, what's your favorite recipe to make from can't see who said it, but what do you, do you have a favorite recipe to make? Absolutely. Cause I love foods. I have a favorite recipe. Um, there is, and it's online um, too. I can't remember the, the name of the site, but there, my, my guy, he's Mexican. So his mom would always make him menudo. So I was determined to figure out how to make a vegan version of menudo. And so you have to use these um, dry, snow fungus mushrooms and let them soak so they get soft and they they have the consistency i mean the texture of like a i guess a beef stomach or something almost 
but I love that. I love it. It's like a vegan menudo with hominy and it tastes really good, a really bold flavor, but it takes a while to make because I always make a big pot of it, but it's delicious. Nice. That's a, do you have that recipe posted anywhere? I do not have it posted. I don't. Oh, I bet people would like no. it. Matter of fact, I take that back. I put it on my, um, it's on my Instagram. So if you look through my Instagram, but it was from like last year and I think last summer, there's a vegan menudo recipe card on there. Right. I'll post your Instagram, but it's got those two underscores. So it's not, it is your name, but it's, it's got those, it's got the C and the underscores. So I'll, I'll make sure I put, carefully post that. Is that where you prefer people to, to connect with you? Oh no. Um, come to at the invisible vegan and there's no underscores in that one. Okay, so that I, I did the wrong one when I was promoting this. So uh, this question is for me. I'm going to just answer it from Judy. Why don't I see all the questions? So if you're new to watching my live show, I, I broadcast to five different formats, five different platforms. So most of the people watch on either YouTube or Facebook. So that's why when you guys say there's a certain number of watching, you only see who's watching on the platform. So if you're watching from one of my private Facebook groups, you might see a certain number. Whereas if you're watching on YouTube, you might see a bigger number. So the technology I'm using allows me to see everybody's comment and see all of you, whereas you only see the people on your platform. So if you're on YouTube, you can only see YouTube comments, Facebook, Facebook. That's why you can't see all the comments, but thanks for bringing that up. Judy says, how do you handle going out to eat at somebody's house who isn't vegan? So I normally, I'll find out what their, you know, what things they're gonna have. Like I find out what the, you know, what their spread is ahead of time. And depending on what they have, if they don't have anything that I'm um, really a fan of, I'll bring my own food and I'll bring, I might bring a dish of something that's big enough for everyone, or I'll just bring like my own private plate. Cause at the end of the day, um, me and a lot of people in my circle, we have different priorities as far as food. So if your priorities are just taste, I don't have a problem with that, but my priorities are eating foods that don't lead to disease. And I don't really want to compromise that just because I'm going to someone else's house. And I'm not really worried about um, if I offend you just by living by my constitution, then most likely you wouldn't be in my circle anyway. So, yeah, I just bring my own food. All right. You just remind me of uh, me. (laughs) I guess that's that Aries thing. When did you move to Los Angeles? 15. What is it? 15? No, about 16 years ago. Was it to pursue Hollywood? Yeah, pretty much. Like ever since I was young, I have videos of me when I was six years old. Like I want to be a movie director when I was young. So I came out, went to um, went to Cal State, studied film and TV, and then that's that's what brought me out here. Which Cal State? Cal State. I got my BA at Cal State Los Angeles, and then my master's at Northridge. I went to Northridge too. Boy, see, another coincidence. That's very cool. Let's see if I can find any more questions. Sorry about that. Kindred. What would you say? You're my kindred spirit. Absolutely. I'm, I'm just so delighted to meet you. And I'm sorry we didn't meet when I was in LA. So you came from Washington, D.C.? Uh-huh. Washington, D.C. Well, I call that Barnard country. You call it who? Barnard country. You know, real Barnard. I, Neil Barnard, Washington. Oh, Barnard. Yes, yeah. That's what I always say. I, I, I people joke because I say, "Oh, you're from Barnard country." Because he, <laughs> he, he's he's great. He's great. Do you have any pets? I oh, I have three actually. I have three pythons. You're kidding! But what, what do they live together or separately? 
No, they live separately. And it's funny because even though they're, you know, people don't think about snakes having personalities, but they each have their own personalities. And one, um, he grew up, well, the, he grew up, he was um, in this too small terrarium. And the woman that had him, her son left it when he went to college. So he wasn't properly fed. He wasn't in a big enough terrarium. And then when he came to us, you just saw how he was just super just scared of everything. You know, so my fiance built him this huge six foot, you know, massive castle terrarium and it's all his. So yeah, we have snakes. That's, I, I, that, I, that is like, I didn't even know you could have them. So how, how big are they? They are, they're not, well, I don't wanna say they're not super big. Some people are like, that's big. They're not boa big, but the biggest one is about, I don't know, maybe like four feet and then circumference about right here. So they eat, um, they can't be vegan. They cannot be vegan. <laughs> so they eat rats. Wow. That's, I, I get it. Like, so where you, like, you got to get them the rats? Yes. You get frozen rats. People get them alive, but you know, that I, I can't. Oh my God. Live, it, it's a weird thing, but how often does a snake eat? About once a week. That's all they need. Wow, they're super low maintenance. Low maintenance. Like once a week they eat. They're super clean, and then we let them. We have a guest room, so it's funny. So we let them kind of take turns in the guest room, and they'll just crawl all over the guest room, and then we'll leave them in there for a few days, just so they can have like a big space to roam around. They don't play with each other though. Snakes are not community kind of minded. No, they, and, and we'll put them around, you know, we'll put them around each other to see if they want to be, but you know, they might ball up with each other for a second, but then they usually just go their own separate ways. That is, that is just, wow. And like, do they have names? Like, do they interact with you? Do you wear them? I've never met any, I'm, my nephew had a snake growing up and it always got loose and then the dog <laughs> it. <laughs> They do have names. Anyone who's an Archer fan, um, it's Lana Anthony Kane, Sterling Mallory Archer. And for the Game of Thrones fans, mind you, I named my snake before season eight came out. The oldest is Jogon. Wow. That, that, I mean, like, do, do you have, do you have, can you have a relationship with a reptile? Like, can they feel love the same way? Like, I, I've never had one, so I don't know. No, you know what? I, one thing, I admire them. It, it's weird. I admire them emotionally because they just remind me of these stoic beings. You know, when they're on the planet, you know, when you're a human, you're so consumed with everything that you could be hurt emotionally so easily. But snakes are just like, I just want to find somewhere to hide and just be at peace with myself. And I'm fine with that. You know, I'm not, if I can eat you, then I'll eat you. But other than that, I'm just here to exist. And I, I like that because they just, they just exist. Well, so. How long, how much do they sleep? They sleep, they are nocturnal. So they sleep for most of the day. And then they're active between maybe like 9 p.m. and maybe one o'clock in the morning. But they just like to hide. Like even when I, you know, let them out in the house, like they, that's what they do. They just find where's the darkest, creepiest corner that I could just ball up in and hide in. That is so interesting. How long does a snake live? 30 years. So we're going to be together for quite a while. That is so, in, like, do they go to the veterinarian or how would you even know? No. So when, when they're sick, you can, because I had one that was sick, you can kind of tell the pet store 
Um, it had mites on it. So I just started noticing the snake's movements, like the movements were very, um, I don't know if they weren't right. So then you take it to the veterinarian and get it fixed. I didn't know there was, is there one in LA that can treat snakes? Um, this happened years ago, but yeah, you could go. Yeah, they have, um, they have veterinarians that treat all types of animals. I remember when I was young and my hamster got sick. My mom took, she took me and the hamster to the veterinarian. But now looking back, I don't know if that veterinarian really did that or he was just patronizing me for the sake of my mom. That is so interesting. Well, I, I guess if you have guests in the guest room, you kind of tell them, right? Oh yeah, we don't put this in. We we don't put this. In. I just can't imagine like how like just just, just it'd be interesting just to see the three. I guess it's like a terrariums they live in, huh? Uh huh. Yeah, separate. I have like two on one side, and then I have one on the other side. That is just see see. I learn something new every day. So that is very cool. Let's see if I have any more questions. As if there's anything you want to just talk about while I'm looking for the questions, please absolutely tell us what you're up to. Let's see. I can't think of anything. I'm, oh, I'm, I, oh, go ahead. So I guess my other, because I'm actually working on two, two food projects now. One is about um, the prison documentary. And the other one is going to be a smaller project. I'm thinking 30 minutes um, about food disorders, but the lack of diversity when talking about food disorders. Because whenever you watch, I don't know if you've seen those bulimia anorexia movies, I'm like, okay, so you guys do realize that every subject you use is a white, affluent, skinny person. And th this isn't the only group that suffers from eating disorders. And usually it ends with the girl going to some type of treatment facility, some residential treatment facility. And I'm like, so we're not even gonna address price points because your average person would be very concerned with like how much a facility like that even costs. So, that's another thing. Yeah, well, you know, you talk about like there's food injustice and there's definitely medical treatment injustice. That's just a fact. So oh, yeah, yeah when I quit my job to work on my documentary. I went for my mother's. Um, she had um, she worked for the government. So I was on her insurance. So 26. Then I got my own. Then I quit my job and I went on uh, the free Medi-Cal. Oh, my God. Oh my God, like because of the fact that I know what it's like to have regular insurance, when you switch to Medi-Cal, I'm like, you guys just want people to die. That's what you want. Like I went to the emergency room because I had uh, to see my doctor, not the emergency room, I went to see my doctor because something was wrong with my stomach and this was years ago. I went in September. He said, okay, we'll make an appointment to check you out in May. Yeah. Like, what? Like, what? to wait eight months to see a specialist like someone could die in that time that, you know that could be another documentary you do about healthcare in the united states for everyone it's it's just it's crazy isn't it here's a fun question how do you potty train a snake <laughs> oh they're they're so so low maintenance so the same way they eat once a, eat once a week they kind of poop and pee once a week and it's just this, you know, not super smelly. It's just this little nugget that you can just go in with your paper towel, pick the little nugget up once a week. Wow, wouldn't that be great if all pets were like that? <laughs> that would be that would be something. Stephanie says, I know traveling isn't really happening right now, but because of your career, you probably normally did travel a lot. What were your go-to travel foods? 
Oh, go to travel foods. So normally I would book hotels in um pretty, you know, like city centers, like downtown areas. So I would just rely on, I, I use Happy Cow a lot. It's this app that lets you know all the vegan restaurants in your um, vicinity. So I just Happy Cow it, find stuff that was nearby. I know you had mentioned that not everyone in your wonderful documentary, The Invisible Vegan, was vegan, but did being in the film maybe inspire them to be veganer? You know what? I'm not sure um, because afterwards I didn't really talk to, um, I didn't talk to Cedric the Entertainer. I didn't talk to Psyche. So I'm not sure um, if it influenced your decisions. Nice. Apple says, in your documentary, you talk about how some traditional African cuisines are plant-based. Does this knowledge help spread vegan interest? I think it does because a lot of the people who don't entertain veganism or don't entertain plant-based eating, they don't entertain it because they think it doesn't apply to them, you know, and with, and I wanted to remind, you know, especially people of color that even though now soul food has transitioned into box macaroni and cheese, that's not always what it was, you know, and even at the foundation, like if you're making greens, what's going to make the greens, the collard greens good can Okay, yeah, if you throw bacon in it, fine. But you can also just learn how to properly season your food. So, yeah. yeah. One of the things I'm learning from interviewing all these GI doctors for the health summit is that people that eat traditional African diets, and not, not the ones that come here, but the ones that stay there, they, there was no colon cancer, like ever. Right, right. Like that was, yeah, that wasn't a thing, you know, before over in, you know, Africa is such... The resources in Africa are so rich. Like, you know, it was millet, uh, all of these things that people were eating fresh versions of. So it's not until we came to America that we kind of adapted this Western way of eating that really kind of turned our stomach against itself. Yeah, absolutely. So everybody's just saying how remarkable you are. What a beauty. You're just so articulate. I hope you can see some of these comments. So how can we help you and further your work and support you? What can we do for you? Um, so when you're doing documentary filmmaking, you're always looking for donors. You're always looking for, you know, people to help or, you know, in any way that they can. So if there's any way you can help, um, you can reach out to me directly on social media. I have a Patreon account. It's, it's fairly new and I'm still learning it, but I use the money, it goes into, I guess, my business account where I can use it to you know, do shoots for my films, which are huge, which are always, they have some type of social justice component to them. I love it. Uh, Safir says, I want to be part of the Bulimia documentary, please. I have a blog and a YouTube about it. So please reach out to Jasmine on social media. And okay. let's see, there was, uh, Alexi says, since you mentioned Ralph Ellison's Invisible Man, do you have any other books that you recommend? Um, oh, one, okay. One that I like, if we're talking about veganism um, in the context of veganism, I really like Sister Vegan. Um, if you're trying, uh, and I really liked, um, what is it, uh, By Any Greens Necessary by Tracy McCorder. If we're talking about non-vegan material, especially now, just considering the climate, I like How Not to Be a Racist. And the reason why I love, love, love that book is because it's not, hey, white people, this is what you guys need to learn how to do. It's actually saying like, no, no, no. 
everyone, this is what you need to, this is what you need to do. Cause right now I think it's this, um, it's a lot of uh, weird black versus white, regular civilians versus police. And it's just like, no, that's not, it, it's, it shouldn't be black and white that way. You know, these racist police officers, they should be in their own group and um, separate from everyone else. Racist white people should be in their own group. And then we also have to realize that you have a lot of black people who are implementing racism against their own kind. So this isn't just, this isn't a white thing or a black thing. It's a, just a humanity thing that we need to work on and how not to be racist kind of points it out. Yeah, I like a book, How Not to Be an Asshole. <laughs> Maybe you can write that one. That's what I'm wondering. So I've been searching your Instagram from the menudo recipe, but I, I, I'll try to link to it later. I don't want to spend time doing that now. I know you have another interview. So one more question. What was the most memorable moment of making this film for you? Oh, that is easy. So when I reached out to Christopher Sebastian to be in the film, I was like, hey, you know, I want your film. I want your, I mean, I want you in the film. I want your voice. And he's like, oh, I, I live in Prague now. And I'm like, okay, so can I come to Prague? What are you saying? Like, I'll come to Prague. And he was like, sure, you can stay with me as long as you want. And I'm like, okay, you're going to need to give me a specific um, time period. Because if you tell me I can stay in Europe as long as I want, then I have a new roommate. And so he told me, he's like, all right, well, if, you know, <laughs> stay for a few days. So me and one of my friends, we took, um, and he let my girl come with that girl come with me. And he hosted um, at his place in Prague. And it was such a beautiful country, such a beautiful visit. And then getting to be around him, like he's a very, I think just authentic, fun human being. And that's my experience with him. So I, I that was one of my favorite parts. Um, about shooting the invisible vegan. Nice. You know, my husband and I did a documentary years ago about pet therapy. And I just said to him, I go like, why can't we just release it? Because I, I love documentaries. I just, they're just my favorite genre, I think. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like you, it's a, it's truth to it, you know? And you feel like you're creating something that can be really impactful. And movies, as great as they are, they, they don't always kind of touch on that same social justice. They don't touch on it in the same way, you know? Yep. Tracy says, do you follow any vegan activists on YouTube? Um, the, let's see, vegan activists. I'm not, to be honest, to be completely honest, I'm not a big social media person. It's so crazy just because it's weird. Social media makes me unhappy. <laughs> it makes me unhappy. <laughs> so I almost have to step away from it. But in, you know, in, in life that I've met, um, you know, Brenda Sanders, she's over in Baltimore, which is my hometown is DC. So I have a lot of respect for what she's doing. Um, I love, um, Keith Tucker. He does hip hop is green. So I really love his initiative. So those are two people that I, I get down with. Nice. Well, you, you've just been great to talk to. And if you, next time you have something to promote or another film or anytime you want to come back and have a chat, I would love to talk to you again. Oh, I would love record it with you yeah maybe, maybe we can meet the three uh, the three pythons ah, yes yeah i'll bring them yeah next time i'll bring them out that would be amazing that was so fun i'm so glad i asked that well thank you so much jasmine and thank you guys for watching another episode of chef aj live please come back let's see who's on the show tomorrow oh we have a wonderful doctor from florida uh, jamie delaley so thanks again jasmine and take care